to Romans chapter 8. Does anyone need a handout tonight? If you need a handout, you slip your hand up, and the star will get you a handout. Is that what your shirt says back there? And uh, is anyone, everyone good? All right. Romans chapter 8. We're going to finish up Romans 8 tonight. I'm excited about that. And these are some very precious verses tonight that we're going to be reading. Started there a couple weeks ago. I'm going to finish them tonight. Romans 8. We're going to go back and read verse 28 where we were last week, or a couple weeks ago. Then we're going to read through verse 39, and then we're going to go through these verses tonight. It says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Father, bless the next few minutes that we have here tonight. We love you. We thank you for the truths of your word. We thank you for this passage tonight that we get to see before our very eyes. Pray that you'd help us tonight, guide our thoughts, guide our direction, and I pray that you would be magnified and help us take these powerful, wonderful verses tonight. And I already know, let's be honest, Lord, I cannot do these verses justice tonight. I cannot. In my best attempt, I can't get close. But I know the Holy Spirit can tonight. Help the message tonight. Help the believer tonight. We love you. We need you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Probably the most precious promise that God has given to us as believers, and the most precious promise God has given me is that of eternal security. I know that many can take verses and
and twist them and believe whatever they want to believe. But these verses make it very clear tonight that as a believer and the distinction of being a believer, there is nothing that you or I can do ourselves. There is nothing that Satan can do, nothing that his forces can do to separate us from God's love for us. There's nothing. That's the blessed promise we see in this passage tonight. You see, we could go to all sorts of verses in the Bible, and I'm going to give you a few of them as we dive in tonight. Some verses that talk about eternal security. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but look at this last phrase, but have everlasting life. Everlasting life never ends. It's continuous. It never stops. And that's a promise right there. John 5, 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he's saying, truly, truly, hey, th tr this is true. He that heareth my words and believeth in him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. John 6, 47, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. It cannot be taken away. You cannot be plucked out of the Father's hand. John 10, verse 29, 8 and 29. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. No one can get you out of the Father's hand. And these are precious promises in God's Word. 1 Peter 1, verse number 5 tells us, We are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. We're not kept by anything that we do. What are we kept by? The power of God through faith. You see, it's not of ourselves, it is the gift of God. Isn't that amazing? We've talked about that before. So we see throughout the scripture that eternal security is a major doctrine. But I will tell you this, if we had none of those verses, and all that we had before our eyes tonight was Romans chapter number 8, we need nothing else but this passage, because it makes it very clear. There is one thing that separates Christianity from all other belief systems in the world this evening. And this is the distinct plan of salvation that guarantees absolute eternal security to anyone who is saved. Other religions don't offer that. And there are Christians who don't even believe in that. And I wonder what they're really trusting in because the gospel of Jesus Christ makes it clear. Two or three weeks ago, we looked at verse 28. As a believer and in the world that we live, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. All things in life are not good, but God promises for the believer, for those that love Him, those who are called according to His purpose, He promises that things will work together for good. And you look at your life and you're like, this just isn't going to be good. Hey, do you love God? 
Are you saved tonight? Do you know God? Then, hey, he's going to work it together for good. He says so in his word. And the Bible makes it clear as we go further. It says, for whom he did foreknow. Before the world was ever created, before you ever were thought of by your parents, before you ever breathed your first breath, God in his foreknowledge knew that sometime in your life you would trust him as your savior. He knew that. You had a choice to make. He did not make you do it. It was not irresistible grace that you couldn't resist. No, there are many people that resist God. We read about this morning, didn't we? Bethsaida. We read about it today. And that city rejected God and God rejected them. So don't tell me that you cannot resist the grace. You can resist the grace of God. And many people do. And it says, for whom he did for no, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. God's purpose and plan for every believer that is sitting in this room and every believer alive on this planet tonight. God's predestined plan for you. I'm not afraid of that word. God's predestined plan for you is to conform you and to make you into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. So we look at that verse before it says, who are called according to his purpose. What is God's purpose by the things that go on in life? And what does God use the trials and things of our life to do? To conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. That is God's plan. God wants you to be like his son. And God is going to use circumstances in life. And does God throw all the circumstances at us? No, sometimes our actions cause them. But God takes all those things because he's so awesome. And he'll take our mess-ups, our bad things, and he can still work them together for good because all things work together for good. Isn't that what the passage says? And so as we look at this, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate. It's already been done. He also called us. Those he called, he justified. And those he justified, those he's glorified. These are all past actions that have taken place. I don't think I have the verse on the screen, but just real quick so you can see something. Hold the place here and go to Ephesians chapter 2 real quick. Say, he's already glorified us? Is that what I said? That's what I said, didn't I? I want you to see a verse. I'm not going to park here and give you lots of thoughts. But look at Ephesians 2. We know where we were before salvation, right? We were dead in our trespasses and sins. That's what the first three verses of chapter 2 talk about. Verse 4 tells us, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. Even when we were dead in our sins, we were made alive. Because God, and his for God lives in eternity, doesn't he? He doesn't live in time like we do. I cannot tell you I understand all of it. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. But look at what it says in verse number 6 and hath raised us up together and made us sit together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. According to that, we're already there. We've been made to sit there already. We've already been glorified. So then what are we doing here? 
we're in time, we're here. It, you say, that doesn't make sense. Don't try and figure God out. You're not going to figure it all out. But that's just a little thought for you there. He's already done these things. It's been done. It's settled. It's done. And so we dive into tonight. We look at these verses and what separates the gospel. What separates the spirit life from all the other religions and everything else in the world. That's what we're going to close out with this chapter tonight. Number one, we see that we're secure by the labor of Christ. We are secure by the labor of Christ. You know, one of the things that people want, you know what kids want in a home? They want security. That's really what they want. Kids want to be secure. What was it, Justin Bowen this afternoon? They came over for a while. Cowboy fan watching the Chargers lose to them. But anyways, yeah, I had someone over during that time. He says he uses a weighted blanket to sleep. He's like, it's a new thing. Why would you use a weighted blanket? Studies say that people like the weighted blanket because they feel secure. I don't need a blanket to feel secure. I'm secure enough without that blanket. Maybe I'd like the blanket. You never know. But the thing that gets me, we have so many Christians today living life, thinking that they can just do things that can make God love them a little bit more than what he did yesterday. You're already paid for and you're already loved. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more than he loves you right now. Satan wants you to think that you can gain access and get better, closer in. And you need to just stop for a minute and realize you're secure tonight. No one can take your spot in God's family. You're there. You are secure. Why are we secure? Not because of us, but because of Jesus Christ and what he did. As we look at verse 31, let's read this again. It says, what shall we then say to these things? If God before us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not also with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. We see as we look here and we think about secure by the labor of Christ, we see letter A, we see his interest in us. According to verse 31 there, we have already learned this in this chapter. We are partakers of a wonderful salvation experience that changed us and put us in his family. Paul's question reminds us of those things, and it teaches us that God has, think about this, is indefinitely interested in each of us. His interest is seen in the fact that he loved us before time began. And he formulated a plan before time began to get us into his family. The lamb slain before the foundation of the world, talks about in the book of Revelation. He knew us, yet he loved us and made a way for us to be saved by grace. And that's proof that he loves us and that he shows interest in us tonight. Now, if you look at the last part of verse 31, Paul's if there is not of possibility. 
hey, if God be for us, who can be against us? No, he's not questioning whether or not God is for us, but he's stating the fact that God is on our side. Or you could say we are on his side. So no one can stand against God. Realize that tonight. There is no one anywhere that can stand against God. So if you're a child of God tonight and you're saved, guess what? No one can stand against you. Because we're on his side. And no one can stand against God. Think about that one tonight. God is interested in you. He cares about you. And because he cares, you can walk in victory tonight through life. His interest in us secures us. Not only do we see his interest in verse 31, but we see in verse 32, the beginning of it, we see his investment in us. You know how people make investments in the stock market and investments in all these different areas? Did you know tonight that God invested something in you? Look at the beginning of verse 32. He that spared not his own son. Because God loves sinners so much. Because God loves sinners so much. He was willing to give the greatest investment ever made in the history of mankind. He was willing to give his own son to die on the cross for our sins. When Jesus died, he became sin for you and me. We all know that verse. He, for he made sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He was judged in our place. He made the ultimate investment God did for you and me. But God commendeth, God displayed his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He invested in us. He said, I love them so much, I will give them my son. Think about that. For all mankind would do. The provision of Christ's life for mine is how I'm saved tonight. When I receive the finished work of Jesus as payment for my own sin, I am also receive the dividend of that initial investment. You see, when I trusted Jesus to save me, his death became my death. His payment became my payment. At that moment that I trust, I received Christ, the book was cleared. It was paid in full. There was no debt owed to my name because of what Jesus did. I'm secure tonight because the investment God made in me. Letter C, we see his intentions for us. What are his intentions? How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Paul asked another question here. Think about this. He wanted to know that if God would pay 
this high price to save us. Did he not plan to do something with us? What was the point in paying a high price and investing his own son if he wasn't going to do something else with us? That's what Paul's asking there. The answer is, of course, God had a plan. His, he has a plan for every one of his children. His plan is to take us to heaven with him someday, to be with him forever, to be conformed, to be like he is, right? Isn't that what Jesus said in that prayer in John 17, 24? Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me. For thou hast loved me before the foundation of the world. God didn't save any of us to lose us on the way to the destination. He did not. He saved us to get us home. That's what he did. And you know what I'm referring to when I talk about home. We are kept, what did we read a few minutes ago in 1 Peter 1, 5? We're kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. We are destined to be with him in heaven someday. And in fact, I showed you the verses already in Ephesians 2, 6. We're technically with him already, if you read that the way it says it. Say, we're not there. You can question God about what he says. That's what his word says. I don't question him. I know I'm living here on earth today. I get that. I know right where I'm at. But I'm seated in heavenly places tonight. That's what the scripture says, and I just believe the scripture. My, I might not see it. I might not understand it. But isn't that what faith is? That's what faith is. And so I believe it tonight. And so you got to understand this. When we look at this, his intention for each of us is to bring us home to glory, and nothing is going to stop that from happening. There's nothing that will stop that. And we see the end of verse 32 there. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? The Bible talks about eye hath not seen, nor heard, nor entered into the heart of man. Things that are prepared for them that love him. We don't have a clue what's ahead of us. He gave his own son for us. Wow. His intentions for us bring me security. Letter D, his insistence concerning us brings me security. We look at verse 33. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. Paul asks another question here. He wants to know who has the right to say that we're guilty before God. The problem is when we look at these things, and as we look at this tonight, the fact is that no one has the right to place anything on our account before God. Who's the accuser of the brethren? Satan is. Who accuses before the throne? I'm sure he does. And he can, he can say all he wants and say, hey, look at Brian. Look at that. Look at what he just did yesterday. Look at what he did a couple hours ago tonight. But do you see what it says right there in that verse? It says, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It's God that justifies. God looks and says, hey, I don't see anything. But you see what Brian just did, don't you? Do you see the sin in his life? 
Do you see the mess that he is? And God says, what sin are you talking about? I don't see them. I've chosen to blot them out as far as the east is from the west. That's how far I've removed his transgressions. I don't see it. I look at Brian and it's just as if he never sinned. All I see is, his, is my son's righteousness all over that guy. Praise God for that tonight. That's the God that we serve. That's the God before us tonight. He took the spotless Lamb of God, the holiness of Jesus Christ, and he applied it to my account. So when God looks at my account tonight, he sees Brian as sinless and holy. And I don't deserve it. And it should never be that way because that's the furthest thing in the world that I could ever be. But because of his love and because he loves you and because he's there for you and because he loves you that much, he said, what's sin? I don't see it anymore. Praise God for that love that he's given to us tonight. There are times in our lives where we don't act saved, but we're still saved. Praise God for that. And as we look at this and we think about these things, I can't wait for the day where this flesh puts off this flesh, where this corruption puts on incorruption, this moral puts on mortality. And then the saying will be brought to pass, death, where's thy sting? Oh, great, where's the victory? And our victory comes in Jesus Christ. That's powerful stuff when you read these verses. Pastor, I'm just not secure in myself. You want to get secure? You need to find Jesus. Teenagers are some of the most insecure people in all the world. I have a pimple on my face. No one likes me because I have a pimple on my face. Teenagers are very insecure. That's why it's so important for a teenager to fall in love with Jesus. Because you see, Jesus doesn't care if you have a pimple on your face. He doesn't care what you did yesterday. He loves you. And God loves you so much, he invested his own son in you. And Satan can't say anything. We look in this world, we look at Christians, we're like, they're a mess. We are all messes. But do you realize before God we're justified? I'm justified tonight. God doesn't see my sin. Say, Pastor, do you sin? Every day. Sometimes every minute. Try not to, but it happens. But tonight as we look at this passage, and where are we at on time? 646. I told those kids club people, I said, I could always be done by 7, but man. We see tonight that we're secure by the love of Christ, number 2, and we're going to get through this. Number 2. We see we're secure by the life of Christ. Verse 34. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Before we go much deeper into this thought right here, who's going to be the one that judges everything? Who's the judge? God is not the judge. Jesus is the judge. You say, well, he's God. I know. You know what I'm talking about. Jesus gets to judge. The Father's given it to the Son to judge all things. That's why you have the judgment seat of Christ, the great white throne judgment. Jesus will be the judge. So when we look at these verses, we look at this verse here, this is 
first ask another very important question related to the security of the believer. Does anyone have the right to judge the believer and find them worthy of judgment? Because Paul already said earlier, there is therefore no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, right? Beginning of this same chapter. So we look at verse 34 again and says, Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Can anyone point a finger at a redeemed sinner and condemn them to hell? No. Why? Because we're secured by the life of Christ. Because what did he do? Letter A. The price he paid on the cross. Who has the right to condemn us since it's Jesus who died for us? The answer is no one. His death on the cross took care of my sin debt, and every person who will accept Jesus as their Savior, since he died and since he paid the price, no one else has the right or the power to judge me. He does, and no one else. Letter B. Say, Pastor, you're getting a little excited tonight. You can get excited about a lot of things in this world. And people get excited about a lot of things. If the love of God and being secure in the Lord doesn't get you excited, and if that can't get a pastor excited, then get a new pastor. Anyways, letter B. Let's keep on going here. The power he displayed at the tomb. We're secured by his life. The power he displayed says, Who is he that condemneth? It's Christ that died, yea, rather, that has risen again. And, of course, we know that just three days after he died on the cross, he vacated the tomb forever. He rose from the dead. He lives, and the fact that he lives gives us hope for our future, but it also lets us know that the same power that brought him back from the dead is the same power working in each of our lives today. Therefore, no one has the right to judge the believer tonight. It might do some believers some good to quit judging other believers. Ooh, that could go somewhere, but I'm going to stop there so I don't judge anybody. Let us see. The position he holds at the throne. We're secure by the life of Christ by the position he holds at the throne. What position does he hold? I'm glad you asked. What does it say there? Who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. After his resurrection, Jesus ascended back to heaven and is set down at the right hand of God. I find it very interesting, and the Bible doesn't make mistakes when it says things. Why do you think Jesus was standing when Stephen was, uh, when Stephen was there in Acts chapter number 7? It says he was standing when Stephen was being stoned. and when he, Why was he standing? I have an opinion. If you want to know, you can ask me later. I'm not going to tell you right now because I don't have time. you got to get through the message. Hebrews 10, 12 tells us the fact says, but, after, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. What this verse also tells us here that we've read here is that he is sit down at the right hand of God. He makes intercession for us. That is, Jesus is our advocate. He's our representative before the Father in heaven. 1 John 2 Verse number one, my little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. Like, okay, John, I don't want to sin either, but we know that's not going to happen. I'm going to sin. 
And if you do sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous. The word advocate refers to one who pleads the case of another before a court of law. In the courtroom of heaven, Satan accused the redeemed. And Jesus says, hey, hey, you see these nail prints? I paid their price. Satan says, hey, you see what Brian did? I paid it. It's all been paid. And God says, I don't see what Brian did. I just see my son and his righteousness. He makes intercession for us. That should bring security to you tonight because of what he's doing. You see, Christian, tonight, we are secure by the labor of God of Christ. We're secure by the life of Christ. And then number three and lastly tonight, we're secure by the love of Christ. Paul has covered a lot of things just in those four verses that we looked at. And now we come to the end of the message tonight. Paul moves away from what's taking place in heaven and that no one has the right to judge us and all those things except Christ himself. And Paul moves into the circumstances of life that cause us trouble. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Are the trials of life going to separate you from God's love? The distress of life, is that going to separate you from his love? Persecution you face, is that going to separate you from his love? Famine, times of famine, is that going to separate you from his love? Times of nakedness, times of those things, times of peril, times of war. Is there anything you go through in life going to separate you from God's love? When we look at this, and in this context, and what he tells us here is what sin could not and what Satan cannot do, even in the terrible situations in life, you are still secure in him. It, and as we think and we look at this term of the love of Christ, it refers to our salvation. That's what the context of this is. It speaks of our special relationship with God through his son. As we round this out and we see that we're secure by the love of Christ, letter A, we see his love endures. His love endures. Hey, Christian, regardless of what we face as we go through life, there is nothing we face that is able to come between us and the love that God has for us. His love will endure through anything and all things. He loves you and he promised that he will always be there with you till the end. A lot of people in life say that, right? We hear that in marriage vows a lot. Don't we till death do us part. And there are many times that people do not follow through on those words. Christ follows through on what he says. And as we look at these verses, we think about Hebrews 13, verse number 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness. 
be content with such things as ye have, for he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And say, but pastor, I'm going through it. I'm at a hard point. He made a promise. He will never leave you, and he'll never forsake you in the midst of anything that goes on. Matthew 28, verse number 20, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always. Always. Never does he take a break. Even until the end of the world, he will always be there for you. He will never step away from you. He will never let you down. His love will always endure through all things. And we see there it says, who shall separate us? That word separate is a strong word. It carries the idea of divorce or dividing asunder. Regardless of what happens in life, nothing that man can do to you can come between you and your God tonight. His love endures and it makes us secure in him. Letter B, we're rounding it out here. His love enables his love enables. We see it says, Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Paul moves on to tell us that through these things, we are overwhelmingly conquerors. We are super conquerors when we face the battles of this life. Why? Because he lives within us and enables us to stand. That's what he does. Hey, there's nothing that can happen that we're nay and all. No, nothing. No, 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 no. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation? No. Shall distress? No. Shall persecution? No. Shall peril? No. Shall nakedness? No. Shall sword? No. None of those things because we are more than conquerors. You can make it through those things in life because of him who loves you tonight. Whether you're able to weather the storms of conflict, all these different things, the Lord is there and you can be a conqueror tonight. The love of God, didn't we sing about that this morning? It pulls me up higher. The love of God, it gave me his pardon. His love enables you to be a conqueror in this life. Not in yourself in him. And let her see. And lastly, his love is everlasting. Whew, these last two verses, you might get me to jump up and down or jump off this pulpit here in a minute. Verse 38, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul closes by speaking of his confidence in his own security and that of the redeemed. He tells us that there's nothing. Hey, tonight, Satan can't separate you. There are Christians out there that say, you commit suicide and you're separated love. Don't go commit suicide. It's one of the most selfish things a person could ever do for everyone else in their life. And we'll leave that there. Suicide's not the answer, but I will tell you this. If you're a child of God and you commit suicide, I'm persuaded that neither death nor life, death cannot separate you from his love. Life cannot separate you. Satan cannot separate you. The demons of hell cannot separate you tonight. 
There is no power. There is no force in the entire world that can ever separate you from the love that God has tonight for you. There is nothing. So Christian tonight, get your security in Jesus Christ and realize he loves you tonight. He gave his life for you. He's given you everything you need. You're a child of his. Live like it. Live for him. Stand up. Be secure in Christianity and get moving for God. That's what we need to do. I don't think I've been this animated in a long time. But this old, this old, I can still, this old Baptist preacher can still get with it. I think I had a better diaphragm though a year and a half ago. I think I could preach a little louder down there. It wears me out now. His love's so wonderful. The problem is far too many Christians are so insecure. But this is the problem. We're looking at this world for acceptance. This world's not going to accept you. And if it does, there's something wrong with the way you're living if it accepts you. He's already accepted you. You've been accepted in the beloved. Man, nothing can separate us from his love. I'm going to ask Caroline to come to the piano. I want to close with a song tonight. I want you to put up words on the screen, who you say I am.